Welcome to the Logos Dialogues. I'm Alan. And I'm Michelle. And we are here to engage in truth-seeking dialogues about the Logos of God. Hi fellow truth seekers, this is our first episode of the Logos Dialogues and we want to use this episode to establish what that dialogue format really looks like. And what do you mean by dialogue? Well, you know, when we talk to each other instead of at each other, a dialogue really gives you a chance to really tease out what issues you're trying to address and, and it really helps you to listen and not just talk to or at a person, not just lecture. Not just uh, preach at somebody. And I think too many times when we're talking about questions of spirituality or even just um, things that we disagree about, sometimes people don't know how to have a dialogue. And then sometimes we talk about each other rather than to each other. That's very, very true. And and I think in this culture, in, in this day and time, you know, it's becoming uglier and uglier when we don't agree on an issue, and the dialogue doesn't happen anymore. I think one of the things that really gets at this issue is um, a scripture. It's really um, embodied in that scripture, 1 Peter 3.15. I'll read it. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. That is a key verse there, gentleness and respect. You know, the idea that we're supposed to always be able to give an answer for the hope that we have and to give it through reason, a reasoned answer, you know, but to have gentleness and respect, all of that put together means we need to have a better way of talking about our faith with people who don't necessarily agree with our faith. It, it means we need to be able to have uh, dialogues with people outside of our comfort zone or don't look at things the same way we look at it. And, and I think we've learned how to do that, you and I, over over our history. We've had dialogues with different kinds of people. I mean, we've been in uh, universities, that settings. Uh, both you and I went to Harvard as undergraduates, right? Um, you went on to graduate school at... Harvard Law School. Yeah. Right, and I went on to MIT, and, and uh, I'm now teaching as, as a computer science professor. Um, you're... I'm directing a homeschool program, so I work a lot with homeschoolers. Right, and and we together run a church. I'm the pastor of a Baptist church in, in Georgia. Um, we are also black people who have had mm -hmm. rich dialogues in the black community and with the white community about uh, racial reconciliation and other kinds of con conversations. Uh, so we've had a lot of dialogues with a lot of different kinds of people in different spheres. Mm -hmm. And they've been... Uh, very successful, I think. In fact, the two of us have had a lot of uh, successful dialogues with each other in the, the 30 years we've been married. 31? 31 years we've been married. <laughs> yeah, and then also we've come from uh, slightly, somewhat different backgrounds. I mean, I've, I'm a West Indian and you're African American. I'm African American. And I grew up in the church. Right. And you became a Christian as an adult. Once I got to college, and it was through dialogues, through meeting you and through talking with you and other Christians mm -hmm. and seeking answers about uh, faith, which I had no knowledge of because I didn't go to church when I was a, a child. Um, so 
dialogues work, but a lot of times what people are doing is monologues or, or they're, uh, lecturing or they're preaching or they're just being hostile. So our goal here in this, in this, um, format is to really try to teach, uh, how to talk about these tough issues that have to do with faith and reason. Reason faith rather than blind faith. That's one of the biggest challenges we have with these dialogues. Sometimes people think what we're talking about is blind faith instead of reasoned faith. In fact, they get that from a misreading of a particular scripture. If you, if, if you look at uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, some people think what it says there is blind faith. You might, mm-hmm. you mind reading that? Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, the evidence of things not seen. It sounds like the scripture here is arguing for blind allegiance to something. Something you can't see, but you're supposed to have faith in it. And yet, it says the evidence of things not seen. This is a deeper concept that there are things that you can't see with your eyes, but that you still have evidence for. And you're supposed to understand the evidence for those things that you believe in. In fact, Jesus makes this challenge for uh, Nicodemus, when he talks to Nicodemus in John 3, 8, if you could read mm-hmm. that. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. See, now that's, that's an amazing analogy, what Jesus is doing there, because he's saying the same way we see wind, but wind is invisible. So we can't actually see the wind, but we see the effect as it blows on things like leaves. We know the wind is blowing because it moves leaves, it moves trees, it moves things, yet we can't see the wind, we just see how it moves things. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with the Spirit. We can't see the Spirit, but we can see how it moves, mm-hmm. how it moves people, how it moves, you know, the whole uh, environment, the atmosphere sometimes. And if you understand it, if you're sensitive to that stuff, you really start to understand that the Spirit is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's similar with love, right? That's absolutely I mean, we, right. We feel the effects of love. Yes. But we can't see love, but we see what love does in people. That's right. Mm-hmm. In fact, somebody can say, I love you, but do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Then that's not real love. Mm-hmm. If you believe it's love, you're going to see something mm-hmm. to give proof that the love mm-hmm. is there. I mean, it's, as you said, mm-hmm. it's not visible. It's not a, a visible thing. It's a spiritual thing. But yet it should have an influence. It should have an mm-hmm. impact. Same way with the Spirit of God. We believe that it's real and it's the evidence of that unseen thing that is, builds up our faith. That's what that scripture is all about. And these are the kinds of things we need to wrestle with. We need to be able to talk about. We need to be able to have dialogue and reasoned discussions, you know, dialogue, which is an example of what, you know, Jesus is, is asking us to do. It's what, what Peter was asking us to do. Paul gives us a real good example of this in Acts in, in chapter 17. Chapter 17, verse 17. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. Right. I mean, Paul was out in the marketplace talking to people about uh, things, and often they didn't agree with him. And this is actually very amazing that he did this in Athens, because Athens was uh, such a, a rich place to have these kind of discussions. Um, I think in a, in a, in a later verse mm-hmm. it explains that. In 1721 it says, All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. That's right. So it was kind of like our, our, our marketplace of ideas that we have in the university nowadays. So Paul uh, 
was willing to engage that that group. And in doing so, and then if you if you read that whole passage, he's listening to them, he's hearing what they're talking about, he's using their analogies, mm-hmm. their their definitions, their their things that they believe in to describe what he understands as truth, you know? And and it's it's a richer discussion because it's a dialogue. It's not just a monologue. And that's one of the things. Again, we want to try to learn how to do better using uh, this format on this in the, on this channel. It's actually interesting because some people think that there is no real uh, need to discuss these ideas. You just need to accept them. There's no wrestling that you need to do. There's no um, you know attempt at uh, interpreting the ideas. You're just supposed to accept them. But see, that's a tricky thing because that means ultimately. A person who doesn't have a chance to wrestle is just accepting somebody else's interpretation. It's not really there. They're not getting a chance to understand the idea themselves. People need to wrestle. They need help talking about these ideas. They can't just read it and understand it. They need it. They need somebody to come alongside and help them. As an example of what we see with the um, with the uh, eunuch, you know, in Acts, if if, if you could read that. Um, mm-hmm. Acts 8, 30, and 31. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. It's a rich discussion that happens after he invites Philip to, to engage with him. And so we're hoping that people will be willing to, you know, engage in this dialogue, engage in and, and learn more about the different ways of looking at um, some of the, the, the more difficult scriptures as well as difficult concepts that are um, spiritual concepts that are being addressed. The final piece that we're going to be able to see is that through wrestling with scripture, you can um, get to a place where you can understand the power of, of a dialogue that happened when a being who comes from out of this universe that we live in, out of the time and space continuum that we live in, when that being came in and started a dialogue with us, which became the scriptures, how those scriptures, right, can answer the questions that we have when we're willing to wrestle with those scriptures, when we're willing to really understand them, but through that process of like what Jacob did, to wrestle with them. example I think is an example sort of a challenge is you know for people who think you don't have to wrestle right is to um, to recognize that sometimes one scripture uses wording that's exactly the opposite of how it uses the wording in another scripture let's take the example I want to uh, look at is uh, John 316 if you could read that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life I just love that scripture. Could you read that again? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Mm, but God so loved the world. That's just so beautiful. Can you now read 1 John um, 2.15, which is written by the same author, but it's just in a different book of the Bible. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. I'm going to do a double take. <laughs> Did you just say that we're not supposed to love the world? 
That's what it says in First John two fifteen. But God so loved the world. I know. Wait, let me do another double take. <laughs> <laughs> so things like that require at, at least some attempt at, at having a dialogue to tease out the deeper concepts there. Because in one case, we're talking about something that represents a, a, a true form of love. And in another sense, we're, we're talking about something that is a false type of love, which, you know, even though the word love is used, and people use love all the time to talk about things that are not really the, the way God defines love, right? Mm -hmm. so, so he tells us not to have those kind of loves, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to understand that these are difficult issues. The same words are being used. Mm -hmm. Love's the world. Mm -hmm. Then don't love the world. Don't have and this even the other meaning kind of, of the love. world and the world. What's the world? And absolutely a different concept of the world in one verse mm -hmm. and the world in another mm -hmm. verse. So, is this for? Um, Christians, non-Christians, right. um, what is it for? Who? Yeah. Who's our audience? I think every, <laughs> I think all of the above, because I think what we see is uh, there are people within the church uh, who are struggling to um, talk about their faith in different contexts with different people and need to have, you know, some ways and some encouragement to it, get engaged in dialogues with others who, who disagree with them. Mm -hmm. Um there are those who are struggling with their faith, who do, who have real questions about how Scripture applies to the uh, issues they're facing, and then there are those who have no no faith, but who are really curious about how Christians can believe in these in these uh, uh, these Scriptures. So I think with each each group, we're going to see that there are uh, dialogues that can help them. Uh, understand those questions better. And then, as a scientist, like you're in the science realm, I'm in the social, you know, social sciences realm. But you're in the science realm, but right. you've had to wrestle with a lot of, with a lot of scriptures to try to see right. how those things work with each other, right? <laughs> right, absolutely. And I, I totally agree that the uh, sciences, scientists in general, see a lot of uh, problems in terms of interpreting scripture. They don't believe it's, uh, it's, it leads to the truth, and yet. With wrestling with those kind of questions, I found that you can actually build a foundation of of understanding and answers that that ultimately resolve all of the scientific questions, all of the questions about whether uh, how what science is saying about scripture. So, so you can uh, that, that show that scripture does does stand up against all of these different scientific um, debates. But we're going to address many things that uh, hopefully will help people who listen to these dialogues be able to talk about them in their uh, community, in their, with their friends. Even if you're a, a person who doesn't believe, if you're a person who believes, you know, there's going to be a lot of rich dialogues, I think, that'll, that will be interesting to you. If you don't believe, if you're a person who thinks this stuff is, doesn't make any sense, but you would like to hear what people think who do believe in it, well, that stuff can be helpful for you as well to to better understand what people like are saying. Like, why would, why would people who are, you know, very academically accomplished believe this stuff <laughs> that's right that's right why would we still believe it and then if there's also those people who are in the middle who are just struggling for answers they just want to hear do can somebody help me better understand something so whether you're you know a, a believer a non-believer or someone in the middle i think 
in a dialogue format, we can actually uh, have discussions that, that are fruitful and that are useful. And so this is our invitation for you to come back again as you join, join us, us for the Logos Dialogues. Dialogues.